Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Midwest Hemp Council podcast. My name is Jason Dozier. I'll be your host. All kinds of good stuff, good information coming up today. We hope that you will stay tuned and share it with a friend as well. On the program today, we're going to hear from Brandy Barrett. Brandy is the membership administrator with the Midwest Hemp Council, talking about some of the events we have coming up. And we'll also hear from Jeff Cummins. Jeff is the associate director for policy engagement with the Indiana Farm Bureau. The Indiana Farm Bureau is very heavily engaged in the hemp industry uh, nationwide and, of course, right here in in Indiana, as Jeff will tell us about in a moment. But first, we want to get things started with Brandy Barrett, again, the membership administrator with the Midwest Hemp Council. Brandy, thanks for being with us, and how you doing today? I am great. How are you, Jason? Doing fantastic. Thanks for being with us. We don't get an opportunity to talk to Brandy very often, so it's always really cool to get you on here and and discuss some stuff. And, and the, the cool stuff we have to discuss, Thirsty Thursday, and I'll let you explain what Thirsty Thursday is all about, Brandy. Sure. So um, some of our members who have been around for a little while probably recall our Thirsty Thursday event where we just, you know, tell you to grab your favorite beverage and hop in front of your computer so we can have a virtual meeting. It's a real informal chance for us to um, sit there with our members and we sometimes work in, you know, a webinar or some kind of topic with it. Mm -hmm. But it's just a really low key informal chance for us to get together with our members in a virtual setting. Mm -hmm. And that was something that was a nice opportunity, especially when we had to lay off of some of the in-person events with restrictions and COVID and such. So um, we have had that on hiatus and we are now excited to bring that back. And we are looking forward to starting that back in October mm-hmm. and more information about that um, as it gets closer. We'll be in the newsletter and such, too. OK, so everybody can be watching there for updates. And, and folks will have to uh, pre-register for that. No, that um, is not something that you will have to register for. Mm-hmm. It will be available to our members and we will shoot out the um, Zoom call information for it leading up to the event specifically to members. So that will be a member-only event. But any member who decides even at the last minute that they want to hop on is welcome to. All right. Well, let's stay online here and talk about also the the, the classifieds. You've got some people uh, clamoring for that, and it looks like we have a solution for that. Absolutely. We've had lots of requests from members um, for a classified section. Is there a place where they can post um, something, you know, a product that they're trying to sell, a special discount that they're offering on products, maybe even an employment opportunity within Mm -hmm. their organization? Mm -hmm. So we are excited to put that together. Um, We're going to tell everybody to look at your next newsletter on Tuesday for more details. But basically, it's going to be for members and non-members alike. And it's going to be an opportunity for you to post your little classified ad that you've been asking for. So you can use that uh, to post for an employment opportunity or about your business in general. However you want to use that space, it's going to be there for you. So we're really excited to open that up and see um, what really comes out of that, you know, as we continue with that. So And, and when, when will that be available, Brandy? So we will launch it um, with the details on Tuesday, and it will be a form that you fill out where you send in your payment and your ad will run for a month. And so um, we'll start accepting those forms on Tuesday when that newsletter goes out, most likely. Excellent, excellent. As I said, we finally have an opportunity to get together face-to-face, and this will be, uh, uh, keeping our fingers crossed, Hemp at the Crossroads coming up in December. Absolutely. And as many know, you know, we have postponed that from our original date because of restrictions in COVID and things out of our control, but we're really 
um, you know, cautiously optimistic that we're going to be able to have that event on December 1st through the 3rd in Plainfield, Indiana. We have booth space still available for those who are interested in being an exhibitor. Mm -hmm. And we have plenty of sponsorship opportunities still available as well of all varying levels for those who may be interested in a sponsorship opportunity. Um, For those who want to register to attend and have not done so yet, the early bird registration, which gives you a discount on your registration, is going to end on November 1st. Mm. So be making those plans um, and go ahead and get your tickets and get registered so you're ready for that event and we're really looking forward to it we're lining up some really incredible panels um and we just know that it's going to be a great in-person event so well unfortunately we 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 have been able to have at least one of these the first annual hip at the crossroads and that was a huge success and so so we do have something to base it on something that we know did work and it should only be better this time around so that i'm really looking forward to it Absolutely. We are too. Um, You know, this, sometimes things are out of your control and even with it being pushed back, you know, to look at that in a positive light, it has given us more time to plan and more time to reach out um, to get other organizations and other panelists involved. So really it's given us an opportunity to plan even better for it. So we're really looking forward to that event and we sure hope that people will take advantage of that early bird registration and get signed up before November 1st so they can join us. And again, all this information, the, the hemp at the crossroads, the thirsty Thursdays, the, uh, the classified advertising, the advertisement opportunity, coming up. All this will be available on the website, MidwestHempCouncil.com. Just look for that to roll out. Brandy has a lot to do with that. So, Brandy, we really appreciate your effort, your time, and, and energy and everything involved in coming on the program here. And is there anything else, I guess, before I let you go, making sure I covered my tracks, anything else here that uh, we need to hit on? That is all that I can think of, Jason, and I appreciate your time so much. Absolutely. We'll look forward to having you on again. Thanks so much, Jason. All right. Take care, Brandy. All right. Bye. All right. As we continue on, we're speaking with Jeff Cummins. Jeff is the Associate Director for Policy Engagement at the Indiana Farm Bureau. We've had Jeff on the program before, wanted to bring him back, get some updates, and find out what's going on with the Indiana Farm Bureau. So again, Jeff, thanks for being with us. Hey, great to be with you, uh, Jason, and uh, to be back with your listeners. All right, and and, and let's just start, Jeff, with uh, tell us exactly what you do as Associate Director for Policy Engagement. That's a very cool title. Can you explain it? <laughs> Absolutely, I, or at least most days I can. Um, uh, my, my role is uh, it's kind of uh, uh, two halves. So really day-to-day, um, I'm uh, spending my time working on state policy issues for the members of Indiana Farm Bureau, um, so whether that's during the winter months at the state house during the legislative session, um, advancing our, our policy priorities alongside the rest of the public policy team, or outside of those uh, those particular months, mm-hmm. um, working on regulatory issues for our agencies. So that might be that might cover something with the Indiana Department of Natural Resources, Indiana Department of Environmental Management. Um, you know, agriculture being such a broad, uh, broad issue touches mm-hmm. a lot of agencies. Mm-hmm. So, so, uh, so in general, you're you're out there spreading the word with the uh, for the Farm Bureau, Indiana Farm Bureau, about what things need to be done and what goals you guys have. That's right. So our members, for those that don't know, set our policy. It starts at a grassroots level. Um, and they do that um, at every county. And mm-hmm. so counties will get together and have policy discussions. What's on their mind? What burning issues do they think we need to address? Mm-hmm. They will then send that up to be further reviewed by policy advisory groups, um, which are kind of uh, divided by subject matters. So we've got one on 
transportation and infrastructure, um, water and environment, um, broadband and utilities, and so livestock and crop production. So mm-hmm. we've got we've got the, the process there. Then that goes on to a resolutions committee, which met um, the first of uh, first week of August this year, and then to a delegate session made up of. Uh, roughly 300 folks uh, from around the state, the counties will choose their delegates uh, to that session, and then they will further refine and approve uh, policies. They can obviously um, introduce some that maybe didn't start at the county level. And then that that really is um, when it becomes as close to final as possible, although our delegates do get one more bite at the apple to make adjustments at the annual convention in December. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so that gives us our directives, our directions on what to go advocate for, or in some cases, oppose. And so the policy book has both sides of the ledger in terms of where our members see where they want action and, and some solutions or where they think um, a policy uh, should be stopped. And then we see that federal, state, local, both support and opposition for a variety of policy issues. And and then the other side of my, my work, I would say, is on our PAC. We have a, a political action committee that uh, – will endorse or contribute to candidates that are agriculture friendly, that, that know our issues or want to learn them, um, and that will support us and, and the policy priorities of our membership. So mm-hmm. I help with our uh, PAC process. So that's called Ag Elect, and, uh, and that's how we um, you know, make sure we're vetting and, and, and endorsing uh, candidates, uh, appropriate candidates on behalf of our members uh, in a bipartisan way. And do you do you experience much conflict within the 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 county, the folks that represent each county? You know, I, I think um, it, it, the, the nice thing about agriculture is that we, we you know, particularly here in Indiana, um, I, I would say both in the ag sector and when you talk about elected leaders, um, the agriculture sector knows that it's it, it's a small portion um, in terms of the people that work in it, you know, there might be 2% or less mm-hmm. uh, of, of folks that actually are growing the food, fuel, and fiber we use every day. Mm-hmm. And so we, we present a united front for the most part on policy issues, uh, whether that's at, you know, our membership at a county level mm-hmm. or as we interact with other agricultural organizations in the state. And uh, blessed also to have a, a pretty ag-friendly state legislature, uh, those folks who understand our issues and know the importance of agriculture and the vitality of rural communities. Interesting. So, so uh, Jeff, how does, uh, how does the hemp industry fit into what you're doing there with the Indiana Farm Bureau? Well, incidentally, you know, hemp is has been a, a big piece of what our members advocate for. Um, we have uh, in our policy book, um, several policy positions supportive of hemp, and I, I just described that process. So, so there again, would have started at the county level for those folks that that see across the horizon a new industry and an opportunity. And so, you know, big picture, we support all uses for hemp, and our policy book uh, uh, reflects that. Uh, so that would include the, the production of hemp in in a free market atmosphere, you know, legalization, production, and commercialization for renewable fiber oil production, other potential uses, and where we don't have enough resources or investment or or, or even a, an idea of what those other uses might be, mm-hmm. continued research um, on those uses. And we're seeing a lot of that. Um, you know, I was at the Midwest Hemp Council field day in Morgan County, and there were a lot of folks demonstrating there some of the products that they're producing with hemp, which was fascinating and enlightening. And I'd, I was familiar with some, but not all. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I mean, as, as you're uh, as your most uh, uh, fervent listeners will know, there's, of course, the fiber, which we, we know all about that. But 
the woods and the plastics, the oils, and of course, CBD, which our, our members also support um, use of that in, in human or veterinary use. And so, um, so that was a fantastic day and got to see the use of a small decorticator. Um, so understanding how the herd is extracted from the hemp and mm-hmm. uh, leaves the strands behind to become fibers. So, um, so all that is to say that, that, that because our members have directed us through that policy book to support these opportunities in the hemp industry, we're taking those, those opportunities with Midwest Hemp Council and others to learn more, see more, mm-hmm. do more, so we know best how to advocate and be supportive. Well, we just had Brandy on before you, Jeff, and, and she talked about some of the events we have coming up <clears throat> with the Midwest Hemp Council, and, and it's great to actually finally be able to get back together. You mentioned you were at a field day. That's something we haven't really been able to do up until now, so it's great that those are coming back in and people able out to get out and see exactly what's going on. Uh, how long have you been in the position of, 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 of Associate Director for Policy engagement, Jeff? So I'm coming up on two years with okay. Indiana Farm Bureau. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, prior to that was with the Indiana State Department of Agriculture as their council and legislative director, where uh, in that role, too, spent a lot of time uh, working on hemp issues with Midwest Hemp Council, the Office of Indiana State Chemist, as they um, as we work to pass, um, uh, you know, a rule and, and legislation after the 2018 Farm Bill mm-hmm. that more broadly legalized the product outside of um, just research. And so was in that role as we worked with uh, supporters, legislators, the governor's office uh, to get a program in place here in the state of Indiana. And so now when we're here at Farm Bureau, we're still still engaged in that as Office of State Chemist uh, submits their plan to USDA for approval and and writes rules that will get this industry stood up and uh, and and uh, you know on, on firm ground. Mm-hmm. Now, so you've been involved long enough to have seen hemp come into fruition here, uh, become law, and you were working in the agriculture uh, industry before that, of course. Let me ask you this: when 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 as we went through the 2018 Farm Bill and 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 and, and moved on, and and folks started planting hemp here in Indiana legally, things like that. Did you get a, did you see a lot of pushback from older farmers or were they did they embrace it more than the younger farmers or was there was it noticeable maybe they were looking at it like ah that's just kind of a new idea not something we're going to you know wrap our minds around and then maybe they've changed or or what did you see leading into that if you could step back and look at it as a whole Sure. I, I guess I would say we saw all of the above. It, w- it was a spectrum um, of, you know, I, I don't think, uh, you know, maybe a small segment of folks that said, I don't think this is going anywhere. To, mm-hmm. Well, I, I think there's an opportunity here, but I want to see how the market stands up. Uh, I want to make sure there's some certainty. And if I grow this, I'll have a processor and a contract in place. And not sure I see that today. And others who said, I'll try no matter what. This mm-hmm. is going to be uh, a, a new rotational crop for me. And I want to get involved early. Um, I I want to, you know, whether it's CBD, feed, uh, feed for uh, grain for feed or, or fiber, uh, want to be in early and want to be, um, you know, want to be involved. And then I, I hear anecdotally, even those um, who've lost a little bit of money mm-hmm. uh, still see the future, still see the value um, and want to pursue this. And so it's all across the board. Mm-hmm. There are there are there are those that. Uh, We'll naysay it and those kinds of things, but I think as the industry progresses and and we see uh, more approvals, um, you know, I, I think one of the big ones would be if we could get um, FDA. And I know Midwest Hemp Council is working on this, and we're right alongside. Uh, but if we could get FDA to approve some uses for feed, uh, that'll be a big demand. And so then you, you you'll begin to see a market stand up for that. 
and contracts get into place for growers to produce that grain for feed in the hemp market and even got some limited research on hemp being used as feed here in Indiana. So that's encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think there'll be more entrance into the market as they see that market develop as more processors come to the state. And um, and I, I hope to see that as well. And I, I think that's something where, you know, hemp has gone from, you know, something we need to focus on from a policy standpoint. There's still some policy objectives we need to achieve. But now it's an economic development question. Mm-hmm. And how do we attract um, those uh, those processors, those manufacturers um, and, and those kinds of things? So that way farmers have a little more of a sure thing as they enter that market. Well, and Jeff, uh, oftentimes we, we talk in terms of, of course, there are people out there that support uh, hemp and the idea of growing hemp, and we're talking about the, the growers out there. And then, of course, you, it would just stand to reason. You had folks that were negative about it who didn't want anything to do with it. But uh, let me ask you this, working with the policies, things like that, did you come across a lot of people who resented the fact that hemp entered the industry or the, the hemp industry entered the agriculture industry and maybe too much emphasis too much focus was put on that do you have people that were that were looking at it from that angle you know i gotta tell you not from where i sit Mm -hmm. i have not seen other folks really push back on this i think they understand and part of that is because agriculture and those in it know the importance of diversification so Mm -hmm. whether it's a row crop guy that wants to then you know put up a livestock barn or get into a specialty crop market on, you know, produce and vegetables or, or, or put in, you know, some of his acres in non-GMO organic. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got to diversify your income streams. And so as hemp, uh, as the hemp market uh, improves and matures and develops, you know, I, I think folks see that as a necessary opportunity. And, and let me make a little bit of a leap here, um, because one of the things that, that we're talking about internally at Farm Bureau in a really big way, and with our partners in the ethanol industry, um, and even in uh, the the oil side of things, with folks like Country Mark here in Indiana, um, as as private companies, auto manufacturers decide to move their fleets to electric vehicles, or as uh, the federal government might mandate the use of more of those electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. We got to keep in mind that we send something like 40 percent and sometimes I hear the numbers a little higher, 40 percent of our corn to be burned and turned into ethanol. And so that's running through vehicles all over the road. Hmm. And and if these electric vehicles grow and they're they're not big right now, there's mm-hmm. something like my understanding is something like two percent of the vehicle fleet on the road right. today in America. But the effort's um, there to, to, to push but, that. But the effort is there. And so what is the replacement crop? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, so that goes back to the importance um, and the the understanding that farmers have on diversification. You've got to diversify your portfolio Mm -hmm. uh, to some degree. And so is hemp the answer to that? I don't know that question, the the answer to that question today, uh, but it should be an option. And so that's why we've got to be supportive of that market continuing to grow and mature. Well, talk now with the Indiana Farm Bureau uh, leading the way there, along with others. Um, obviously, membership and, and and things like that do help the Indiana Farm Bureau. It's what, what, what drives you guys. How can folks get involved, and why would they want to become a member of the Indiana Farm Bureau if they're not one yet? Sure. Well, I'll tell you, I'll answer that in a couple ways. One, it's cheap. It's $32.50 per year to be a member of Indiana Farm Bureau. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I think there's a lot of value you can derive uh, from that. And I'll give you a few examples. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, our members were, were clamoring about the cost of health care. And 
uh, rightly so. And, and, and still for many folks today, it's unaffordable or inaccessible. And so Indiana Farm Bureau pursued a statutory change during the 2020 session of the Indiana General Assembly um, to allow uh, Farm Bureau to offer a health plan to its members. Um, it passed and became law in March of 2020. And Indiana Farm Bureau Health Plans began, um, it, was a, it was a separate company that we set up, and we began taking applications October 1st of that year, and uh, the, the, the benefits took effect in January of this year. So in, in just about one year's time, we went from uh, not even legally allowed to offer a health plan to getting a bill passed setting up another company and issuing plans. And so that that's a, that's a member benefit. So think about in particular where our members fall and why this was critical is because in some cases they're a, a sole proprietor. Sure. As a sole proprietor, you're not you're not in a poolable category of mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got a company that can pool its employees, you've got a little more bargaining power, but a sole proprietor has none. And so in many cases our farmers were um, on the Affordable Care Act, uh, but they were in an income band where they did not get the subsidy from the Affordable Care Act. Mm-hmm. And so it was still extremely expensive mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, or they were going without health insurance altogether. So Indiana Farm Bureau Health Plans is one example of that. Let me give you just a couple more. Sure. Lots of our members use um, H-2A labor, um, foreign or immigrant labor uh, to do some of the, the production on their farm. Indiana Farm Bureau is um, offering its members access to the services provided by Great Lakes Ag Labor Services. Uh, This was an entity established by the Michigan Farm Bureau several years ago and supports employers' efforts to meet their seasonal workforce needs through the H-2A foreign worker visa program. Mm -hmm. So we partnered with them to make that accessible uh, to our members. And then if you've got listeners in the southern third of the state, uh, they'll understand the black vulture problem. Uh, these birds often prey on young livestock, uh-huh. uh, causing injury and sometimes death. Mm-hmm. Farm Bureau obtained uh, a depredation permit, um, essentially the right to uh, destroy these black vultures from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And as a member benefit, uh, we have the authority to issue sub-permits to livestock producers who are battling uh, these black vultures as they uh, try to uh, feast on their livestock. So mm-hmm. just just a few examples there where... And all this for thir- for thirty two dollars and fifty cents a year. That's right. That's, That's right. Amazing. Not to mention the the, the more general uh, membership discounts. If you're not in agriculture, if your listeners that don't have a health plan problem, a labor mm-hmm. problem, or a black vulture problem, you know the discounts across a range of partner companies and organizations, um, including Purdue and IU, Ford, John Deere, Regal Cinemas, Great Wolf Lodge, Budget Rental. Uh, and on and on, and so the the partnership companies which with which uh, we get discounts, and so if any of that is attractive to your listeners, we have folks that handle membership, and uh, we'd love to have them because I think there's a lot of value there, and and not to mention then as as an agriculturalist, um, you have a whole public policy team advocating on your behalf mm-hmm. at the state, local, and federal level. That's fantastic. And again, the health insurance alone, the ability to be able to buy into that, uh, you know, obviously don't know what the rates are, things like that. But again, as a small business owner myself, a, an in, independently employed person, that's one of the, the hardest and most difficult things you have to deal with next to your taxes and, and all that good stuff. But uh, so that's something people certainly should look into. And again, they can, they can get more information by going to, uh, can you go ahead and give us the website? infb.org and we've got all of those resources listed there that's infb 
uh, just our initials.org, mm-hmm. um, and you'll see uh, information on becoming a member and what's associated with membership. And you can even see a little more detail about just a few examples I gave there on some things we were able to achieve for our members. Excellent. And, and of course, with all that, we, we know you also have some other things going on out there. Can, can you talk about that? Well, you know, I'll just give folks a little bit of a look ahead. Um, our board was actually in town uh, yesterday and today, and mm-hmm. they are considering and voting on our legislative priorities. And so um, I'll give them a chance to roll those out, but I'll, I'll give you some themes okay. uh, because we've got some successes we want to build on. I'll, I'll tell you what, what, where they've been thinking about trying to identify some issues. So, so this is as we look ahead to next year at the state legislative level. Um, we, we look at what's going on at a federal level, mm-hmm. uh, broadband. We know our members still want us to focus on broadband. We've had some major success, uh, partly because uh, broadband became an urban and suburban uh, issue as parents worked from home and kids tried to learn and do classwork. And maybe somebody even had a doctor's appointment that was remote. Um, but we got $250 million in new funding through the net for the next level connections grant uh, that's administered by Lieutenant Governor Crouch's office and the Office of Community and Rural Affairs. So we'll be working with her to make sure those dollars go to the right place um, and are directed in the right fashion to unserved and underserved areas. So as we look ahead, uh, we want to make sure those dollars for broadband get to the right place. And your listeners can actually take an active part in helping us do that, even if they're not a member. Um, if they go to our website, infd.org forward slash speed test, forward slash speed test, uh, they can go and record their service level by their internet provider, hmm. either on a laptop or a cell phone, and get a speed readout. What are their download and upload speeds at their location? That'll put a dot a dot uh, point, a pinpoint on our map mm. uh, down to that premise that shows what level of service they have, and they'll categorize it as no service or underserved um, or, or pretty good service, maybe, if they have really, really good service. Mm-hmm. And so that we'll use that data layer um, as, as those pinpoints uh, get laid across the state to help the Office of Lieutenant Governor and OCRA drive those dollars to the right places. And so this will be down to the premise, very specific. We'll be able to see with a new level of granularity where the need really is for broadband, and we hope uh, your listeners can help us there. But they're also... Uh, considering things on energy and environment. There's a lot of discussion around the state and country on carbon markets, wind and solar, and biofuels, and, of course, taxation. Uh, Federally, they have their eyes on what may happen with the budget reconciliation bill in Washington, particularly on capital gains, the estate tax, and stepped-up basis. So there's a a lot that's going on out there, a lot that's moving, and we're watching it all and uh, hoping to find solutions for our members. Well, and hopefully you'll be able to keep us updated on on what's going on, and hopefully we can drive some membership to you because, again, it is very important. You do a very important job out there for the agriculture industry, and uh, they do need the support. And, again, $32.50, I don't know. Why not $25 or $50? That's that's just kind of funny. They came up with $32.50. Yeah, I'm not privy to the formula, but uh, <laughs> it is a little bit funny. <laughs> that is, that is. But the, but but again, obviously, obviously, that, that the idea is there <clears throat> to not deter people from being able to become a member strictly due to the the fee. So they've obviously went out of their way to just make it nominal and just just to do something in order to get signed up. But that should not be the deterrent. And as you mentioned earlier, plenty of benefits. People need to go check this out. Again, that's infb.org and uh, get that information. 
conversation. Jeff, uh, again, it's been great having you on. We certainly hope to get you back to keep us updated. It sounds like you've got a lot of irons in the fire, a lot of things going on, and we hope to, to hear back from you and, and get some updates on those items. Well, we sure appreciate the time with you today, Jason. It's been a pleasure. I look forward to chatting with you and your listeners again and always appreciate everything you're doing uh, and then the appreciation you have for the industry. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks again, Jeff. Again, it's Jeff Cummins, Associate Director for Policy Engagement, the Indiana Farm Bureau. You find them at infb.org. Go there, get involved, and, uh, and let's help this all move forward. Once again, Jeff, thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Jason. All right. Thanks, Jeff. And that is going to do it for our program this week. We do appreciate you tuning in and checking things out. Right now, we're only doing the podcast once a month. That's the uh, third Thursday of every month. And that will be switching back to weekly, I believe, coming up here about November, uh, somewhere through the winter. So you just want to stay tuned for that and, and check the website for that. We do appreciate you tuning in and checking it out. And we will be back very soon. So please tell a friend and share the mid West Hemp Council podcast. I'm your host, Jason Dozier. We'll see you next time, everybody.